Hello, how you doing? You alright? I'm Aaron, and this is the Dead People Podcast, and this is episode number 12. Today, we're going quite far back in history, we're going all the way back to 1756, and we are going to be talking about Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. And uh, he was an influential and prolific composer of the classical period. And he had quite an interesting life. He started off as a prodigy, very young, very talented. And uh, yeah, things kind of go downhill a little bit. So uh, stay tuned and uh, hope you enjoy. This is Mozart. Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart was born on the 27th of January, 1756, baptised as, you ready for this, it's a ridiculously long name, and actually this whole episode is filled with ridiculously long names, so uh, he was baptised as Johannes Christostomus Wolfgangus Theopolis Mozart. What? That, that's mad. Shall I try and say it fast? Right, here we go. Johannes Chrysostomus, Johannes Chrysostomus, Wolfgangus Fiodor, no, never mind, he changed his name to Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, which is a bit cooler, and you know, a bit easier to say. So, he was born um, to two parents, obviously, <laughs> what a stupid thing to say, why did I say that, but his parents were Leopold and Anna Maria, and they were, um, they gave birth to Mozart in Salzburg, Austria. Mozart was the youngest of seven children, five of whom died in infancy. Quite a common theme, actually, like a lot of these kids don't make it through infancy, or they die kind of youngish. Now, his eldest sister was Maria Anna Mozart, and um, her nickname was Nanerl. Nanerl, don't know why, literally haven't got a clue, but Nanerl. That's his older sister, in case you get confused, because I will be confusing you probably. So, in this series, I like to kind of look at what, well, I need to, well, you can't look, because if a person in this series dates back before the camera, you don't really know what they look like. It's never accurate, because paintings can make you look very, very beautiful. For example, you know, Anne of Cleves, she might have been a minger. But, uh, you know, they painted her very well. So <laughs> there are some paintings of Mozart as well. Um, but it's obviously flattering lighting, you know, makeup, probably a nice wig. So it's good to get people, they, they can describe what he looks like in memoirs and kind of re- uh, reports, I suppose. Yeah. Um kind of, yeah, his temporaries will reminisce about him and kind of, they'll be written down for the records, yeah, written down and described. So we do have some descriptions of Mozart. Apparently he was remarkably remarkably small, very thin and pale. He had very fair hair, but very little of it. So he wore a wig quite a lot of time. So you'll see him in a white wig, but he didn't have much hair, apparently. Um, <laughs> there was not much special about his physique, 
he was an extraordinary. Apparently he had massive, large, intense eyes. He had kind of holes in his face. <laughs> They've kind of described it as pitted, which means, you know, when you get like um, acne scars and stuff, that's what they said his face was like because he had a childhood case of smallpox. So poor guy had some bad skin. Well, not bad skin, just like scarred skin and pitted. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I've never had smallpox, so I wouldn't know. But uh, it probably isn't great for your skin. He loved wearing really elegant, extravagant clothing. Proper flamboyant and really cool. Um, mainly for the formal occasions. He wore a wig at every formal occasion, a nice white wig. Apparently there is a portrait without his wig, which I've not actually seen. But I, he has, he's had 14 portraits, but only one of them. He's not wearing a wig, so I couldn't find it. If you can find it, send it to me, please. Um, but yeah, it's pretty cool. So let's talk about Wolfgang's father a bit. His name is Leopold. He was the orchestra's deputy Kapellmeister. Now, what's a Kapellmeister, I hear you say? He basically is the deputy conductor. It's German. And I had to Google it. So I'm very smart. And, you know, Google. <laughs> Intelligence. So during the year of his son's birth, um, Leopold published a violin textbook. So he was a very good mentor and had a lot of musical knowledge to give out. And it was actually a very successful textbook. So um, he was kind of established as a mentor. Now, in Wolfgang's early years, uh, his father was his only teacher. So along with music, all his musical knowledge, he taught him different languages and academic subjects, which is really cool. So all of Leopold's musical knowledge has gone on to Mozart. And Mozart was really keen to kind of progress beyond what he was taught. He wanted to learn more. He wanted to keep writing things. He wanted to write music. He wanted to compose. He wanted to learn more instruments. He was very, very keen. He tried the violin. He, you know, he just, he shocked his dad completely. His dad actually gave up composing because his son's musical talent kind of was kind of outdoing him and doing better. We've all been there. We've all been there. I used to do photography quite a lot. And then I saw other people's work. I was like, oh, I, <laughs> I get you, Leopold. I get you. So Leopold has now become a completely, like, he's a stage mum now. He's a stage mum. He wants to kind of live through his child's talent <laughs> and ambition. So he's taken his family on a tour around the world. Like, took, like, a really long concert tour that's, like, three and a half years long. Um... Mozart and his sister Nanel performed as child prodigies. It was a big deal. Um, yeah, it was really long. Sorry, did you hear me slap my leg there? I shouldn't do that on a podcast, should I? But I'm slapping my leg. Sorry. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was kind of a lot of work for a kid, isn't it? It's a bit, it's a bit much. But they went everywhere. They went to Munich, Mannheim, Paris, London, Dover, The Hague, Amsterdam, Utrecht, Mechelen, Mechelen, Mechelen. That one. And Paris. And then back home to Zurich. Uh, well, they went, no, sorry, they went back home to Austria. But they went via Zurich, Donaueschingen, and Munich. <laughs> Munich. 
I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce that. Donaushingen. Yep. Somewhere in the area of between Austria and Germany. and I don't know. But they went everywhere. Everywhere. You know, he met loads of musicians there. He was he just... It's really cool. He got loads of influence from people like Johann Christian Bach. 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 Um, yeah, it was really cool. He went to London as well. Um, you know, between 1764 and 1765. Um, he was eight years old when he wrote his first symphony, which is really cool. Um, but, I mean, we're not sure. But it's most likely transcribed. Transcribed by his father, so I don't know how that went down, but apparently Mozart wrote a symphony when he was eight years old, eight years old, when I was eight, I was, what was I doing, not that. These family trips were often quite challenging, the travel conditions were primitive and a bit shit, and really kind of basic. They had to wait for invitations from the ability to be to perform in front of them. They had to wait for their payments from the nobility as well. And, you know, they had to get paid. And obviously during this, they endured long and near-fatal illnesses. Leopold first and then the kids not long afterwards. And then they went back to Vienna in late 16, 1767 sorry, and remained there until 1768. So they've been home for a year now, about a year, um, so they get bored, they get bored of Salzburg again, and Leopold and Wolfgang set off for Italy. They didn't take the sister with them this time, just them two, and they've gone for another tour. Now this tour lasted from December 1769 to March 1771, which, you know, that's, that's, that's like four months, that's too much work, that sounds horrible. Four month tour. It, mad. But basically Leopold wanted to go out and just brag and say, look at my son, he's great. <laughs> kind of show him off to the world. Which is nice in a way, but also very stage mummy. He's he's a stage mum, completely. Now, while in Milan, Mozart wrote the opera Mitrodate Re de Ponto. I'm sorry for my pronunciations. It's going to be terrible. But we're forgetting that this child is now like, how old is he? He's young, anyway, and he's written an opera. That's insane. And it was performed with success, and people loved it, and it led to further opera work. So people wanted him to write more operas, and they paid him, They paid him, and yeah, he did really well. He was doing well, and it was great. Now, after the tour, it was a long tour, I think, um, they came back in 73, 1773, March 1773. Now, Mozart was employed as a court musician in Salzburg now. Um, Prince Archbishop Hieronymus Colloredo. He was basically his boss. And he was, he was great. Mozart was working for royalty and it was really cool. Really cool. Now, Wolfgang is doing very well. He's artistically, he's, he's very successful at the moment. But he grew very bored and discontented and unhappy and he hated Salzburg. He was bored of his hometown. He wanted to travel the world again. He wanted to have his name everywhere. He wanted to be famous, I'm assuming. 
but he wasn't happy in Salzburg. Kind of, I don't know what he wanted, but he didn't like it. He wanted to find a job somewhere else. Now, obviously one reason for wanting to move and get another job was his low salary. He wasn't paid much at all. Um, he was taken advantage of, really, because he was young, I'm assuming. That's what they always do. And Mozart really wanted to compose operas and, you know, sell out operas and he just wanted to gain a bigger audience. Now, Salzburg didn't provide many occasions for operas and especially in 1775, one of their theatres was closed down. So there wasn't, there weren't any venues to perform these operas. Salzburg was not the place for Wolfgang at this time. So let's go to Paris. So August 1777, Mozart quits his job in Salzburg, tells him to fuck off, take your money, I don't need it, you ain't going to pay my mortgage, you ain't never going to pay my mortgage, you know, and uh, leaves. So, <laughs> sorry, on the 23rd of September, <laughs> sorry, right, on September 23rd, he ventured out and looked for a job. He ended up going to Augsburg, Mannheim, Paris, and Munich. Now, in Mannheim, he became acquainted with members of a famous orchestra. They were the best in Europe at the time. He also fell in love with Aloysia Weber. Now, he was uh, Aloysia was Aloysia Aloysia was one of four daughters of a very musical family. Mozart left Paris in March 1778. Now, also during this year, Mozart's mother became very ill and she died on July 3rd, 1778. Also this year, it was not going very well for Mozart at all. He fell into debt and took to selling off his items and his, you know, belongings just to get some money. Now, also while Mozart was in Paris, Leopold was trying to get him a job in uh, Salzburg, but he really didn't want to go back. Like Mozart did not want to go back to Salzburg, but he reluctantly accepted a job there. But before coming back to Salzburg, he lingered in Mannheim and Munich. Now, whilst in Munich, he encountered Aloysia again. Now, Aloysia is now a very famous singer, a successful singer. She's doing really well for herself, but she wasn't interested. She's lost interest in him, and she's moved on. She's a bit rubbish, a bit shit. But Mozart... Finally went to Salzburg, went back home on January 15th, 1779, and took up his new position. But his discontent with Salzburg remained undiminished. January 1781. Mozart's opera Edomeneo, that one, premiered with considerable success. It was doing really well, and it was uh, premiered in Munich. Now, the following March, Mozart was summoned to Vienna, where his employer, Archbishop Colorado, was attending a celebration for the accession of Joseph II to the Austrian throne. Now, for Colorado, it was just what he wanted a musical servant. And Wolfgang was his musical servant, his musical bitch. So, yeah, he was just... Mozart was there, he would, he would dine with him, he would cook for him. Well, not cook for him, sorry. Uh, 
he would just be there with him, sorry, and hang out with the cooks and the chefs and his personal valets and just be there to play music if he needed it, which is a very strange, very odd career. But yeah, personal musician. I kind of want a personal sax player to walk around and just cool. And I can just say like, oi, play me some sax music and <laughs> it'd be really cool. Uh, that'd be so cool. So when I'm rich, guys, you'll see me. I'll, I'll have my own personal sax player, a musical servant, my own little Mozart. That'd be really cool. But anyway, Mozart was planning bigger things. He he wanted a better career, but he stayed in this job for money, obviously. But he wrote to his father, kind of explaining what he was doing. My main goal right now is to meet the Emperor in some agreeable fashion. I'm absolutely determined he should get to know me. I'd be so happy if I could whip through my opera for him and then play a fugue or two, for that's what he likes. Mozart did meet the Emperor eventually, which is good, and he was very happy. He loved him. The Emperor loved Mozart. He supported him and, you know, he commissioned him and gave him part-time work. Now, the Archbishop wasn't very happy. He did not want Mozart to leave his job. Um, Mozart wanted to leave. He wanted to say, fuck off, I don't need the money, <laughs> and all that. Um, he, <laughs> But he just, he, he didn't. He wanted to resign, and the Archbishop refused. He said, no, you're not quitting, which is ridiculous. And obviously, it took about a month. So the following month, permission was finally granted, but it wasn't in a good way. <laughs> Mozart was literally dismissed with a kick in the arse. I'm not joking, a kick in the arse. Now, the Archbishop's steward, Count Arco, literally kicked him out with his foot in the arse. That is, that's unfair dismissal. That's terrible. In the arse. Mozart's father was not happy. Leopold was not happy. He wanted him to keep this job. He'd obviously worked hard to get the job for him. He wanted to just... He wanted to follow. He wanted him to follow the Archbishop back to Salzburg, and you know, be obedient. But he wasn't, and his father was not happy. Things are going well for Mozart. He's got a new career in Vienna, and you know, he's doing really well. He is working for the Emperor, and he is mostly performing as a pianist. And he was also in a competition, um, in front of the Emperor, uh, in seventeen eighty one, and he really kind of. It's kind of like a rap battle for, you know, classical music, I suppose. But he was—he soon established himself. He was the finest keyboard player in Vienna. So Mozart's now moved in with the Weber family, you know, Aloysius family, Aloysius, Aloysius family. Sorry. Um, yeah, he kind of—he's in Mannheim now. He's all over the place, but he's with the Weber family. The father, Fridolin Weber, had died and the Webbers were now taking in lodgers, kind of to make ends meet and get some more rent and some money. Now Aloysia was still there, um, kind of, she was around, but she was married now to someone else and, you know, Mozart wasn't interested in, in Aloysia anymore, obviously, he's moved on, he's a good man, he's moved on and he's fallen in love with the third Weber child called Constanze. Now, Constanz, 
con stands. So it didn't really go well. The courtship did not go well. They kind of separated briefly in 1782. And Mozart's father did not want to give them permission to marry or be together. For some reason, he didn't like Constanz. Eventually, Leopold gave permission and consent to the marriage a day after they got married. <laughs> so, a bit annoying. But they got married on the 4th of August, 1782, in a cathedral called St. Stephen's Cathedral. And then the day after, <laughs> Leopold's permission and consent arrived in the post the day afterwards. So, you know, fair enough. Bit late, but fair enough. So the couple had six children. Only two of them survived infancy. That's Those odds are ridiculous. Four children didn't survive infancy, which is ridiculous. So we had Raymond Leopold. Oh, these are really long names, by the way. You ready? So we've got Raymond Leopold. Johann Thomas Leopold. Theresia Constantia Eduhard Frederick Maria Anna. Anna Maria. Franz Xaver Wolfgang Mozart, who survived and Carl Thomas Mozart, who survived. I I think it's really funny. How there's one girl called Theresia Constanzia Eduhide Frederick Mead Maria Anna. And then the next one's Anna Maria. Crazy. Maybe they didn't... Mm, Anna Maria died quite soon after birth. Maybe they didn't have time to give her seven other names. Oh, sad. Very sad. But yeah, kids... Didn't survive infancy very often in this kind of time. Healthcare obviously was terrible. There were th diseases and, yeah, terrible. Life expectancy wasn't good either. So, uh, you know, it wasn't a good time to be alive. <laughs> it was a bit rough. So in 1783, uh, Leopold was visited by Mozart and his wife. Now, uh, Leopold and his uh, Mozart's sister were very polite. They were polite to Constanz, but I don't think they like her still, which is a bit sad. <laughs> they don't really care. But uh, Mozart composed a piece and it involved Constanz singing a solo part, which is kind of cool. So Mozart met Joseph Hayden in Vienna at around 1784, and the two composers became good friends. They even played sometimes together in an impromptu string quartet. <laughs> Imagine just an impromptu string quartet. How do you just... How is that impromptu? It's brilliant. It's mad. I love it. In 1785, Hayden told Mozart's father this. I tell you before God, and as an honest man, your son is the greatest composer known to me by person and repute. He has taste and what is more the greatest skill in composition. At this point, Mozart was getting quite a lot of money uh, from his concerts and other jobs. And his wife and him adopted a very luxurious lifestyle. They went to an expensive apartment. They moved into that. They bought a forte piano. They bought a billiard table. And, you know, Carl Thomas, their son, went to an expensive boarding school. Ah, and they had servants. Mad. Crazy. So, saving for them was pretty hard. They couldn't really save money because they were spending it all. 
and this short period of financial success and extravagance didn't last long. It did nothing to soften the hardship of what they were to later experience. The next four years, Mozart did very little operatic writing, but he focused instead on his career as a piano soloist and writer of concertos. Now, these developments weren't witnessed by Mozart's father because he had died. Leopold died on 28th of May, 1787. Now, by 1787 December, Mozart had finally obtained a steady post under aristocratic patronage. Now, Emperor Joseph II appointed him as his chamber composer. You know, another private musician, I suppose. A personal musician, slave, servant person. Wonderful. <laughs> it was only a part-time job and only paid 800 florins a year. Now, this required Mozart to only not only to compose dances for the annual balls, um, and, you know, that was basically it. He basically just composed music for the annual balls and galas. Yeah, that, that's it. But this little income was quite important to Mozart because hard times had arrived. Towards the end of the decade, Mozart's circumstances were getting worse and they worsened and worsened. Around 1786, he had ceased to appear in public. He didn't go to concerts, he didn't perform in, con in concerts, and his income got smaller and smaller till he, was, till he was making pennies, or whatever they make in Austria, you know. Not much money. Now, Mozart began to borrow money, um, mostly from his friend and fellow Mason, he was a Mason, uh, Michael Puckberg. Now, a pit, there was a pitiful sequence of letters pleading for loans, um, which is really sad. Like he was writing to people asking for money because he was that hard up. Obviously, he had two children to look after. It, it, it wasn't going well for him. But 1791, it was doing okay. Things were going up. They were doing better. This was the kind of the last... This, this, is, this is Mozart's last year on Earth, which is also kind of rubbish. But it's also kind of good because this is where he composed a lot. He was very productive. He was it was a prolific period for Mozart because most of his admired works were from this period. Like the Magic Flute was in it. Uh, loads of really really cool, really appreciated pieces of work. What I'm trying to say, I'm not a massive classical music fan, but this was a good year for Mozart. <laughs> Things were on the up. They were doing really good. Things were on the up. The financial situation got better. It began to improve. And, you know, he sold his music that he composed for the dances as Imperial Chamber composer. He sold the music and made money off it. Sixth of September, seventeen ninety one. Mozart falls ill while in Prague for the premiere of his opera, La Clemenza de Tito. On November twentieth, Mozart's health deteriorated so much that he ended up bedridden and couldn't move. He was suffering from swelling, pain, and vomiting. 
Mozart was nursed in his final illness by his wife and her youngest sister, and was attended by the family doctor, Thomas Franz Closet. He was mentally occupied by the task of finishing his requiem. But whilst doing that, Mozart died in his home on December 5th, 1791, aged 35, at 12.55am. Mozart was interred in a common grave in accordance with contemporary Viennese custom at the St. Mark's Cemetery outside the city on December 7th. If, as later reports say, no mourners attended, that too is consistent with Viennese burial customs at the time. Later, Otto Jean wrote that Salieri, Susmer, Van Sweeten and two other musicians were present. The tale of a storm and snow is false. The day was calm and mild. The cause of Mozart's death cannot be known with certainty. The official record has it as Hitzig's Frieselfeber, which is severe military fever, referring to a rash that looks like millet seeds, more a description of the symptoms than a diagnosis. But Mozart's modest funeral did not reflect his standing with the public as a composer. Memorial services and concerts in Vienna and Prague were well attended. Indeed, in the period immediately after his death, his reputation rose substantially. So is the way. Now, Solomon describes an unprecedented wave of enthusiasm for his work. And that was Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. That's the end. That was a long one. Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. I'm glad his name wasn't Johannes Chrysostomus Wolfgangus Theopolis Mozart because I could not pronounce that every time. That would be too long. Too long a name. Come on, man. But yeah, good guy. He wasn't mentally tormented like most of the people that I look at on these in this series. He just got ill. He wasn't very good with money. He struggled financially. But uh, he did... Yeah, he had, he had an interesting life. He's like me. I'm not good with money either, so... Um, yeah, it was very, very interesting. You know, there will be some people on this podcast, some dead people, that did have happy lives, I promise. But, you know, we don't really care about that. We want it to be interesting. We want... <laughs> That sounds really sick. But we, you know, we want it to be interesting. We want it to... Um, yeah, we want it to kind of be dramatic and intense, you know, if someone just dies of old age, I'm probably not going to, you know, put them in an episode, unless their life was fascinating. So, uh, yeah. We've got some good ones coming up. We've got, um, every every Monday now, we have got uh, episode 13, which is going to be Mary Jane Kelly. Next Monday, uh, that's the last of the Jack the Ripper victims. And then, an extra episode, um, kind of a mini-series if you like, called Conspiracy Corner, and that's just going to be on a Wednesday, probably, maybe a Wednesday, so it'll be Monday, every Monday, there's an episode, and then occasionally you'll get a Wednesday episode as well, but uh, Wednesday, next Wednesday, not this Wednesday, next Wednesday, <laughs> there will be a episode based on the theories of who Jack the Ripper is. And they're very interesting and a bit weird. So we'll go into that. And we'll meet another murderer, which is great. So, yay. 
she's cool she's hideous so stay tuned and uh stay safe don't die and i'll see you very soon bye